a franchise expert with over 40 years in the industry, who is here to help you unleash your franchise dreams. Join Phyllis on Fierce Females in Franchising, the podcast dedicated to showcasing the power and success of women in franchising, as she interviews badass female founders with inspiring stories, chatting with savvy franchisees about their franchising journeys, and bringing in industry experts to share their top tips for franchise success. Franchising may be the best kept secret in town, but we're here to spill the beans and show you the endless possibilities that franchising has to offer. So, if you're ready to take charge, kick some franchise butt, and become the ultimate franchise queen, then tune in to Fierce Females in Franchising, and let's get started. All righty. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my podcast today. And I'm so excited to introduce Olivia. And the first thing I would like to do is I want to read her bio for you because I want to make sure she gets all the credit she is due. So Olivia has over 22 years of experience as a small business owner and profitability specialist. The reason she is here and she is also a huge fan of the book Profit First by Michael Michalowicz. She is the go-to gal for all things profitability. She is passionate about helping fellow small business owners achieve their financial goals. And she loves nothing more than driving into spreadsheets to figure out how to make it happen. I don't understand that, Olivia, but God bless you. We need you. One thing that sets her apart from the rest is that she is very approachable. She is not some stuffy consultant who talks over people's heads. Nope. She is down to earth, easy to talk to, and genuinely interested in helping her clients succeed. Her customized strategies are tailor-made to fit your specific situation, ensuring you get the support you need to achieve sustainable profitability and long-term success. And the best part, she has a proven track record of delivering real measurable results for your clients. If you are ready to improve your business's profitability, she would love to chat with you. I know she is excited to get to know you and your business and help you achieve your financial goals. Welcome. Thank you very much, Phyllis. Thanks for having me. I am excellent. Excited to be here. All right. So I have to start out by asking you, what's up with Agent O? How did that come (laughs) (laughs) Well, so one of my clients gave me that as a nickname. So my first name's Olivia. And I guess the way it started was, you know, anything they asked of me, a special project they wanted to hand off or question they were trying to to decide, you know, how are we going to tackle this? You know, for me, I think in spreadsheets, I think I even dream in spreadsheets. So, you know, I would be like, there's a spreadsheet for that. And so they chuckled and said, you know what, you're like our secret weapon. You're our agent O. So it became a running joke. And then when I decided to brand this. I couldn't choose anything but that, right? So I'm everybody's, you know, small business secret weapon. I'd love that. Accounting and numbers is something that's not my gift. So I would love to, you know, we all have gifts, right? And yours happens to be numbers, which God knows we all need them. (laughs) So tell me, how did you first get into doing this business? Well, for most of those 22 years as a business owner, I had a retail store, a high-end luxury store. And I found that, you know, much to the chagrin of my business partner, rather than selling our products and services, I was like, so what's your story? How did you get in business? What is it that you do? And then, you know, they were, oh, I have a problem with this employee. Oh, well, tell me about it. Or, you know, I need to 
do this ad campaign. Well, bring it in. I'll look at it with you. And I started realizing that I was consulting and helping people with their profitability rather than selling the products I was supposed to sell. But like you said, we all have gifts, right? And mine is not in product retail and, but it definitely is in numbers and not just numbers, but helping people be able to see and understand their number mm-hmm. without having to, you know, dive into something they hate, like accounting spreadsheet, my job. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. So, so many times I belong to a couple local networking groups here in Mission Viejo, and I am amazed at the number of people, small business owners that are not a franchise that don't know their numbers. It, it amazing to me and, or they don't write down their goals, all of those things. I know in this business that I'm in with my franchising and consulting and coaching, I mean, we know, we know the number of people we have talked to, to be able to find someone who's actually interested and then to talk to that. So, you know, it is, it's a, it's a number situation and, and people need to know that. Let's talk a little bit about that and how did that segue you into what you're doing today? Well, what I'm doing today came first, but Profit First, the book, kind of opened my eyes to understanding that I wasn't going to convert non-spreadsheet people into spreadsheet people. So, you know, like you said, everybody has gifts and almost every single business owner I talked to, if they started the business, they did it because they had a passion. So they had a passion for woodworking. Now they're a carpenter. They had a passion for helping people. Now they run an at-home nursing center. You know, most people don't say, I love sales tax reports and and quick and I just can't wait to run a business so I can file those every month, you know? And so my first part of my consulting years was to explain why those things were really important and to help people learn how to do it. But then after Profit First, I realized there was a reason that wasn't as successful because you aren't going to change those folks. So what is great about Profit First is even if you never talk to and hire somebody like myself, you can read that book and understand those principles and apply it to your business because there's no getting around it. You do have to know your numbers. There's a very real reason why the SBA still says that one of every two businesses fails in five years. And almost all of that comes down to not putting emphasis on profit. You do have to have it. You're not going to have it year one. You can mm-hmm. if you follow profit first, I should say, but it is normal for people to experience a couple of years without it, but you can't do that long-term. You have no. to know your numbers at some level. And so I think that's the secret sauce of my passion and the expertise that I have, plus incorporate my wisdom from the book mm-hmm. and saying, okay, now, now it makes sense. And there's a sustainable way to help business owners that doesn't require them to ever become a love of spreadsheets. But <laughs> no. for myself, numbers have been something that I ha- over the years, I got more and more understanding of why it was important to look at my numbers. I- I don't think people realize how much anxiety and stress happens with them when they don't know the numbers, when they're trying to not look, I'm very (laughs) non-looker and I finally hired a bookkeeper. I had to because- I drove, I mean, I spent, I can't even tell you how many days I spent preparing to get my taxes done and hiring a bookkeeper was, you know, one of the best things I ever did because that's not my gift. I'd rather have somebody that it's their gift and they love to do it than for me to do it because- A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's just like anything else. I don't really love to clean my house, 
And when I do it, it takes me all day and I don't really have the right tools and I've never been trained, but I like the end result, right? I like a clean house. But if I hire a housekeeper, yes, I have to pay that person some money, but they have, they come in with the right tools. Yep. They come in with the right training and I get that result that I wanted, but it didn't take me all day. You know, none of us, I think, probably like going to the dentist, but we like the long-term result that we get of having a healthy dental care. Keeping um, your teeth, right? Yeah, right. You know, so there's this short-term pain called, I have to go to the dentist. I have to maybe, you know, undergo some pain there and a little bit of anxiety, kind of like what you were talking about. And mm -hmm. you have to pay them for their expertise, but you like the end result of mm -hmm. having teeth that don't hurt and being able to keep them. Is a good exactly. example. So that th those life lessons that we learn as adults are no different than those business lessons. You have to hire someone like a bookkeeper if you mm -hmm. hate doing your own numbers because you yeah. need to know those. Those are important. Yeah, you do. You know, it's interesting in the maid business. That's there's a lot of franchise brands that are yes. cleaning services, and the reason that they are so successful is because one, they have repeat customers. Who doesn't mm -hmm. want to have reoccurring customers? You don't always have to keep looking for the next one. Actually, right. their biggest challenge, as you can only imagine, is hiring people. And it's getting them to consider it. But what's interesting about that brand is, and one of the reasons I love franchising, and you'll appreciate this, is they not only give them systems to be able to know how to clean the house quickly and efficiently and get it mm -hmm. all done. Some of them do a rotation where they do certain things each week. But the other thing that they do, which is really key, is they have incentive programs. So mm -hmm. someone comes in and they have an escalation of they start out as just a housekeeper and then they graduate to being maybe, you know, a team leader. And so they have ways for them to elevate themselves you know, I remember years ago, cleaning authority, one of his things was they would all meet like at a industrial park, you know, where they have those offices in front and warehouse rack. And that would be an office for a typical made franchise business. And because they don't have people that drop by, it's really right. just the team going and so forth. But like he put in a kitchen, so he would have serve, send them off with a hot breakfast. Well, you know, Thanks. those little things that they do that make a huge difference in whether somebody is going to stay or not. Having been a business owner myself, several different ways, but just treated our employees like family, because if you yeah. treat them like family, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going <laughs> to want to stay if you appreciate them and do all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that trajectory of first hiring somebody and then giving them milestones, that mm -hmm. is something that independent businesses can benefit from, but they struggle with how to structure that. And that is definitely one of the benefits that a franchise brings is some of that group knowledge and saying, hey, this is what's worked in a lot of different places and, and giving you those ready-made steps on mm -hmm. the way. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me about the dashboard. How did you get into doing the dashboards? How did that evolve? Well, in some way, form or fashion, I've always used data. So it's not just reconciling your bank account and getting ready for tax season. But for me, the rest of your numbers, they do tell a story. And it's actually a little too late if you're waiting to look at your numbers for when it's time to file taxes. You know, for a lot of business owners, a whole year's gone by. Whereas if they are looking at their metric on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, then they have, you know, if it's a weekly basis, you have 51 other opportunities before the end of the year. If it's a monthly basis, well, then you get 12 chances to improve your business 
before the end of the year. So when you start looking at it does make a tremendous difference, but the, the extra benefit of doing a dashboard is to bring those spreadsheets and that data numbers to life to where it's really easy to see whether or not a trend is going in the right direction. So mm -hmm. it is not just simply, hey, you cleaned 14 houses this week and last week you cleaned, I don't know, 10 in the same amount of time. But mm -hmm. you're actually seeing that with numbers that, that come alive with color and graphs mm -hmm. and it just makes it a little easier. But just like our housekeeping example, for some folks that could take all day to find the numbers, to figure out how to put them on a page and then mm -hmm. to study that. And so that's where someone like myself comes in. I can do that part for you. I can collect all those numbers. I can think about what's the best way to put that on a page. Mm -hmm. And then we would meet once a month and I would say, okay, here's your numbers and here's what I see. And here's the things that immediately pop out. Tell me more about this. You mm -hmm. know, since the last time we met, we were going to work on this particular issue in your business. How did that go? What did you try? Let's see if the numbers showed that it improved. And when you do that, then you get to learn as a business owner, little by little, what's actually yeah. going to move the needle. And, you know, I will say, even in a franchise, you could have three different franchise owners of the same type of business, yes, and they could. could still have issues that are unique to them and solutions that are unique to them. So that's why I always drive home that these dashboards are not cookie cut. I don't show up and say, oh, you're a plumber. So let me pull out my plumbing dashboard. You know, mm -hmm. It's more, what is it like in your business, your plumbing business that mm -hmm. is not working the way you want it to right now? So what are some of the things that the dashboard, are there any common threads that you find that people typically, mistakes that people make that? Oh, yes, of uh, course. So, what are typical things that people are doing? <laughs> big one is things that are bringing in revenue but are not actually improving the bottom line. So you could be cleaning a, you know, I don't know, let's, let's say you get a 6,000 square foot house and you're cleaning it once a week. And, you know, since we're on this made example, so let's say you're doing that and it's bringing in a lot of money, but mm -hmm. it also takes a lot of time. Whereas what if you had three office buildings? Well, people don't eat in office buildings as much. You know, they might have lunch or breakfast, but they're not cooking full meals. Nobody's showering in office buildings for the most part. Mm -hmm. So they take a lot less time. And so it's looking at in your business, are there things that are driving your revenue really high, but are not delivering profit? And that is a good analysis to do. And mm -hmm. it's not always easy to do because what happens is if you're in a business where you're doing a lot of things to drive revenue, not profit, then you mm -hmm. tend to be firefighting, right? You tend to be yep. going from one crisis to the next, especially on the cash side. And so you don't have enough time and you're not used to taking on this data. Mm -hmm. That's where, again, someone like myself can come in and come in with a fresh set of eyes and say, yep. why, why do you do these $6,000 or 6,000 square foot mansions? You know, these condos over here, you can do 10 because you don't have to drive anywhere or whatever, you know, I mean, just to use that as an example. So that is the number one mistake is, is mistaking that busyness for profit. Mm -hmm. And they're not always the same thing. And then I would say the other is spending money on advertising without really knowing if that's coming back in the door. And there's, there's a, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about all the ways to make sure you do that. Right. But in general, if you're putting a dollar out there, mm -hmm. how much, are, how much of that are you getting back? And are you putting the right spots? And that can be different market to market. Well, and isn't that also, I mean, when we're thinking social media, direct mail, all those kind of things, it is kind of hard to track some of it, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Then I, I can remember when social media first came on the scene in the world of franchising and the franchise companies would go crazy because they couldn't understand <laughs> they're spending all this money and they couldn't see any results. And, you know, it's a thing, it's a process right? it takes time and, and all of that. So how do you help people to recognize whether or not what they're doing is paying off? What are Sometimes your- it's a simple tweak inside of how they're collecting the data. So when they're getting a new customer, you know, obviously the first one would be, how did you hear about us? Right. But there's a difference between writing that on a form and capturing that in an electronic, what can then be analyzed. So mm-hmm. sometimes you're tweaking their accounting software so that you can see that happen because, you know, yes, you can run a billboard and yes, you can put an ad on TV and you can have eyeballs staring mm-hmm. at those things, but those are not translating into bank account deposits and yeah. bank deposits are what are going to matter. <laughs> do not make you rich. Right. Exactly. So there there's, you know, there's pencil and paper ways, right? And then there's accounting software ways. And and sometimes we just use a simple data spreadsheet, you know, Google sheet. The idea is to track what matters, not what I think matters. The first piece of any of those dashboard builds is to see what's actually not working because that's where we want to start those items that we need to tweak. So when I, I have a metric course and the first thing I ask is what's keeping you up at night? Right. Those are the things, right? That whether it's staff retention or cash flow problems or, you know, customer service problems. I mean, there's always something that is in the back of your head as a business owner that's making it hard to sleep. So let's start with those. Let's get you sleeping again. Yeah. So give me a success story of someone that came to you that was really struggling and how did you turn them around and get the ship going in the right direction? (laughs) Well, so, you know, this is a pretty common one. And it could apply to a lot of industries, but this particular industry was a cabinet maker and they, you know, they were a successful cabinet maker, had lots of employees and they, they made certain lines of cabinets. And then they got this excitement around doing a custom line. And so the, the struggle that they were having is after putting the line, they were struggling with cash flow issues and employee retention issues and customer service issues that were leading to rework, right? So having to do the work again or come out again and fix it. And when they really started to look at their numbers, it was centered around this custom line. It was taking longer than expected and the rework and customer service problems were on the custom side of the business, not on the stock side of the business. And so while it did make, you know, outside looking in, the revenue looked great, right? Because these custom jobs were expensive, but it was causing (laughs) stress in the manufacturing line because this custom work was very different than, you know, today we're making this line of cabinets, which they'd been making for 20 years. Um, So you were stressing the shop out. You were stressing customer service out because they were having to go out and, you know, address these issues. And then there was the rework, right? Which is always free because you want to make your customer happy. So revenue was great, but it was creating a, a cascade of issues that ultimately was making profit suffer as well because employee retention, customer service, you weren't getting the word of mouth referrals because those people were not thrilled, right? And so it all came down to moving into this custom line without really understanding how to do that in a profitable way. And so we we had them take it out, you know? So it was like, great idea, but it didn't work. So let's just take it out completely for now and go back to the way it was. And when going back to the way it was, they found that there were some pieces of that custom line that people really liked and were willing to pay for. So they were able to create a new line that was still 
quite profitable in the higher end and had some of those pieces without the, you know, the extra labor and, and all the confusion well, around re rework. And everything for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, I really believe there's no accidents. And I think everything <laughs> that happened, you know, there's a learning lesson. And yes. I think that's that's really powerful. Have never known if they hadn't tried. And you know, you know, to me, willingness is really a big word that I spend a lot of time talking about because unless somebody is willing to try new things, then they're going to stay stagnant and not be where they want to be. And I also believe that we get encouraged. My strength is going down. This is bad. I've got work here right now. So I was in the middle of something and, and I lost all my internet. So let's hope oh. that we any problems anyway but I think well, I can still see and hear you if that helps <laughs> so I think willingness is important and I also think that things happen for a reason I think people come into our lives for a reason and so forth so yeah. you know that I'm all franchising and the mm -hmm. reason that I wanted to have you on is that I think it's really important even though you buy a franchise and they're going to have an accounting program and they're going to have coaches and everything what would you say I'm assuming you've probably helped some franchise owners yeah. What would be something that would indicate to them that they needed to give you a call and that you could help them? I would say that if you, usually when you are looking at a franchise, you're getting some indication of what your numbers should look like financially. You know, you should hit this much in revenue or this much in profit, et cetera. And I would say that if you are not hitting those numbers, and, you know, you can't figure out why, right? Like if, it could be something obvious. You're like, well, I'm not hitting these numbers, but I also haven't implemented this one piece that they've mm -hmm. recommended. But if, if that's the case where you're like, gosh, you know, I should be where my peers are. I don't mm -hmm. understand why. That would be a great indicator that looking at something like a dashboard would help. And I actually like franchises because one thing I've noticed is that if you start to help one and they see success, then they're like, I have another friend who's in Ohio and I there we talk at conventions and they have the same problem. And mm -hmm. so it tends to be a great referral for me. So I, I do like working with them. And sometimes, you know, in the past, I've even made recommendations like, hey, let's let's roll this out to all of them. It's worked in these, you know, yeah. chances it's going to work elsewhere. And we could make, you know, we could definitely make that happen. Yeah. So when I think about my, so obviously, you know, for each franchise I place now, I will refer mm -hmm. them to you to yeah. kind of get them set on the right track. One of the things that I've noticed over the years with people in networking groups that are not a franchise is they try to, and I'm curious if this is one of the benchmarks, they have a tendency to take any customer from anywhere and they'll drive just crazy amounts of distance to service somebody when the gas they're spending, especially today, in getting from here to there and back doesn't make it worth it. Does your dashboard help them recognizing that, you know, they're taking customers that aren't profitable because they're too far out of their network? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, that's usually the first piece is that analysis piece of what mm -hmm. is, you know, what do we want to track? And then from there, that will lead us to, so the, the way that I like to do a dashboard is we don't put a number on there unless it has a reason and a purpose for being there. So think about like, if you wanted to lose weight, you could count calories, you could count steps, you could mm -hmm. make sure you had X glasses of water every day, this many minutes of cardio, and you could you could probably track a hundred things related to your health to lose weight, but maybe for you, it really just, did I, did I walk 
5,000 steps today. And then three months from now, did I walk 6,000 steps? Maybe you just need one metric. So it's not about building a dashboard full of 20 fancy things that sound complicated to justify my existence. It's about what things do you need to see different in your business? And so it very well could be one of the things is called, usually you hear it called like dashboard time. So the time between clocking in for the day and actually sitting at the house that you're going to clean, right? There's that time when showing for work and actually doing the work. And, and can we reduce that number so that you get your employees from being on the clock to earning you money faster, you know, mm -hmm. and that can be in a million different businesses. But if you have people that get in a truck and go to a place to do their work, that's usually called dashboard time or windshield time. And that could be a key indicator if you're not seeing the results you expect to see. Nice. Very yeah. nice. I would think also that you would be a great accountability partner. Yes. Right. Especially yeah. if someone struggles with numbers that yeah. maybe, you know, you would be focused on one of the key pieces of business that help people to create a profit, right? So maybe yeah. they would find that if number not my gift, then I need to call agent O. And have <laughs> 100%. And I'll tell you another one, another one that's, it was a surprise to me and still, it still surprises me today is giving people the free hire another employee or downsize their staff based on numbers because everybody wants to be a nice person and everybody wants to give someone a second chance. And maybe the data is showing you that that's, that they're on the right track and they're getting there, but maybe the data is showing you that they're never going to get there and give someone the freedom to say the numbers tell me that this yes. is not working. Right. Um, yes, like that. And it can be very freeing, especially for my female clients. I think we all try to be friends with our staff and that's great, but you know, sometimes they need to be, you know, reallocated somewhere else. Yeah. And it could be they're in the wrong seat. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had a friend up in the state of Washington when I lived there and he actually had a program where he would teach employers, he would teach managers how to be managers. Because mm -hmm. one of the things he would always say is that, you know, someone's working in a job and they're doing a great job. Great. They promote them to be a man. They have no clue what they're doing. Nobody sends them to manager school. And so we literally had a year long program where once a month they would get together and they would talk about different topics. And it was very successful and the company saw great results with that. Yeah. But, you know, it's everybody, it's kind of like everybody learns differently, right? I'm very visual. As you can see, I have lots of colors. It's all about that. Sorry, I don't have my pink wall. I'll have my pink I'm missing wall. it. Right, me too. But it's <laughs> as we speak. But, but, you know, some people are obviously you're very analytical and more numbers oriented, but you also have that gift of customer service, which yeah. I can tell in talking to you that that, you know, and that's so important because people want to feel heard and they want to feel, oh, yeah. and they want to know that you care. It's not just about the money. It's never about the money. I mean, it has to be about what's going to be best for the client. So yeah. Well, and flipping the script, when you as a consultant walk into a business and ask a key employee, how did you know you had a good week? It breaks my heart to hear, I didn't get yelled at this week. I would give that key employee one thing to track on their own that even if they're, you know, even if their manager, supervisor, business owner never acknowledges them, they know they had a good week because they did X. I love and whether that. that's produce 10 widgets or clean five houses or keep their windshield time down to 10 minutes, whatever it is, they get real satisfaction and empowerment just after, mm -hmm. after tracking their own number, even if they're not a number person. Wow. So 
that can be transformative to, to, to say, I had a good week. I don't even care about what the boss thought. I know I had a good week because I was supposed to track this and I smashed through my goal. That's an important transformation that can happen with dashboards. Well, and, and everybody wants to, everybody wants to do a good job. And so many times I don't feel that people are acknowledged for what they do. And the fact that you can be able to show them measurable results, I think is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm great. excited that you're here. <laughs> so is there anything that I've missed that I need that I didn't? Uh, well, so one of the things I did as a gift to your audience is if they, you know, we talked a little bit about profit first beginning. Mm-hmm. And if they said, huh, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. And one of the free gifts I had is to give them just a reference sheet. One of the, one of the things on there, of course, is how to buy the book. But if you're not a reader and a lot of our business owners are not, right? If they were, you know, readers and numbers people, they would have probably not opened up whatever business they're doing, right? So luckily in this day and age, there's a lot of resources for people that are non-readers as well. So that is something I wanted to offer anybody listening. So I think you have that link, but- And I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So if you go to this agent consulting- com. Then you just do a slash and Phyllis, your first name, oh. and then they go get there. There you go. <laughs> now I didn't remember that. And I actually fixed that. Custom made just for you. Custom made. See? <laughs> oh, and uh, all right, let me fix that real quick. Sure. Well, while you're fixing that, the other thing I offer is just a, a free 15 minute call. So if somebody feels like this was interesting to them or it sparked something and they want to, you know, take a few minutes, I, I love to do that. For one reason, I love to find out what people are doing for a living. It's like a hobby of mine. And the other thing is that, you know, that's part of my nature is I want to help and support small business as much as I can. And they can look that through the website as well. Wonderful. You know, it's interesting when I was growing up, my mom had a friend and her kids used to say, you cast bread upon the water and it comes back in sandwiches. Oh, what a great phrase. I've never heard that. I love that. I think there is so yes. much for that because it is in giving that we receive and, and yeah. I'm very much of a giver. And you know, the reason I did this podcast that I want to help women, people in general, business owners to bit better. You know, yeah. I want to open women's eyes to why franchising is a good option. And I was excited to have you on the call on the podcast because I love what you're doing. Your heart is, I had care. Are you familiar with the Grand Connection? No, I'm not. No. You'll have to tell me well, more about Grand, that. Grand Connection is a networking group out of Canada. And oh, I had okay. Carol on my show and she and I were discussing how important it is to love what you do. And I do believe that that is so important. I was having a discussion yesterday with somebody at a resale and my comment to him was, you know what? Resales are challenging at best because you've got more dynamics that the buyer, the seller, and then you got the franchise company and they have to approve you. But more importantly, a lot of times people want to resale because they want instant cash flow. But as I share with them, if you don't really love the business, if you're just looking at the bottom line, chances are you're not going to be successful because you're going to get up every morning going, oh, I've got to go to that today, you know, and then nobody wins. And so that's not good. We want everybody to win. We, we're definitely living in our best business if we would get up and do it for free, but we have found that others will pay us for it, right? So whatever that is, you, you can derive joy. You may not derive joy from filling out the sales tax forms that go with it, but if you can derive joy from the actual business activity that you're doing, then that is real freedom in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much. I have really enjoyed this and I Me hope too. that you did too. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody and we'll close out 
with my outgoing music. Thanks for listening to Fierce Females in Franchising. We hope you feel inspired by the stories and insights shared by our female franchise founders and franchisees. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode filled with valuable advice, motivation, and a good dose of fun. And if you're ready to take the leap and explore franchising for yourself, head to our website for more information and resources. Remember, franchising is the best kept secret in town, and we're here to help you unlock its endless possibilities. So stay fierce, stay curious, and keep crushing those goals.